It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen or afternoon as the case may be, welcome indeed to Speakeasy. And after several weeks of current affairs and such likes, today's Speakeasy is different, considerably different, because we are looking at the question of unidentified flying objects. And we're down in our usual home of Speakeasy in the Palace Theatre in Lower Regent Street in London, and we have got our usual packed theatre of some 3,000 souls uh, <laughs> who I am going to say first of all I'm going to do it this way on today's show I'm going to ask the audience who believes in unidentified flying objects and who doesn't I'm going to have a vote on it and then at the end of the programme we'll have another vote on it and see if anybody's changed their mind not that we have to change people's minds, we're listening to opinions solely, but first of all, might we have hands from all our audience for the people who actually believe that there are unidentified flying objects about from other planets? They actually believe it. Thank you. Hands down, and now people who don't believe it, who don't believe that there are any UFOs about. I should say, actually, it's in slightly in favour of the fact that there are unidentified flying objects about. Uh, it was almost 50-50ish, but slightly in favour of the believers, which is very good because we have on the platform with Dr. Kit Pedler, uh, who is a scientist. Uh, I believe, Dr. Kit, you're an ophthalmologist as well, aren't you? Yes, that's right. That's right. And not for all this, for anybody who doesn't know, is a gentleman who looks at eyes and things. Uh, and Kit, of course, is far more famous for writing the Doom Watch series for television. We've got Rex Dutter, who's just published a book about flying saucers, which Rex is called? It's called Flying Saucer Viewpoint, looking at it from the viewpoint of the saucers themselves. Right. And... Keith Palmer, who is the director of the International Unidentified Flying Object Research Association, uh, and Keith Robertson, who is the secretary of the Aetherius Society. Uh, now, which of the Keiths has written the book? There's a Keith written the book. No, it's Dr. Kate, isn't it? 
reported things that they've seen, mm. and it may have been the news, it may not have been. I don't well, even know. From, the, from that date, you've been firmly convinced that there are unidentified fine objects. Yes, I also know many people who've seen them. You do? Um, yes. Do you belong to any organisation now? Yes, I, I belong to the Affairs Society. Ah, of which we have the secretary up here. Right, Keith, at this point, tell us what the Ethereum Society is. Well, the Ethereum Society in the first place is to propagate to as many people as possible information uh, and um, teachings that we are receiving through our leader, Dr. King, from space intelligences themselves. Now, Dr. King, in the first place, is a yogi, uh, and this, we believe, is the one and only true science on this earth or on any other earth. It's a science whereby the person that practices it must prove to himself these things. And, uh, of course, in this world today, it is very difficult, we understand, to get this message across. How do you stand in relation to unidentified flying objects then? In other words, uh, the yogi thing there is, is okay, but it's not actually what we're going to talk about today. I know it has to come in at that mm -hmm. particular point, but how do you stand your, your association in response to flying saucers? We uh, believe in them. Uh, several of us have seen them over the years. Uh, we believe that they're coming to this earth to um, awaken uh, people on this earth to certain facts regarding the universe and we believe they've been seen by thousands of people over the past, at least the past 25 years. Where do they come from? Um, mainly from the planets Mars, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, those planets in the main. I see, because Kit, what would you say about that? Well, what I'd say is this, that uh, I don't, there are, four, there are three or four categories this type of statement could belong to. The person making it could be perfectly sincere and believe what he says. The person making it could have been duped by somebody else, Yogi Bell, whoever it was. Thirdly, he could be, I'm not saying he is any of these categories, thirdly, he could be conning people, or fourthly, he could be simply mentally disturbed. <laughs> That's my thought. Now, I'm uncertain as to which of these categories to put it into. Now, do, do you think that there are such things as flying saucers and kids? I'd like to alter the wording a bit, Jimmy, and say right. I believe that there are things in the air which are, appear from time to time which have no explanation that I know about. I prefer to take that standpoint. Right. So, therefore, would you lay claim that these things could be visited from other planets, or is it just period that you just don't know what they are and they could be? I think that they could be extraterrestrial devices of some sort. It's an interesting idea but there's absolutely no evidence for this whatever, and I do like evidence. Right, there's not some evidence because there was a great gasp there from Keith Robertson, and we'll give him some evidence later, but there's somebody in the audience wants to say. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that um, these sites have come from planets like Mars and Venus and Jupiter. 
speakers to the wrong sort, but when one thinks how many other worlds there must be in the galaxy with similar conditions to ours, and one must accept that other life forms must exist, far more intelligent than our own, which are capable of traveling to us and obviously interested to find out about it. So I believe very strongly that there must be um, UFOs. Why, why do you think, keep the, uh, keep the, keep the mouth on that. Uh, why do you think that they are more intelligent than our own life form? Well, if one thinks that, I mean, man developed very late in, you know, nobody knows how the galaxy developed, but man developed very late. Other life forms could have developed earlier in other parts of the galaxy and thus become more intelligent, more intelligent. Do you feel then that any of the life forms could have landed on our planet? It's possible. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, they don't want to. You know, Are you, you're, you're not saying the association or anything like no, that? No, no, it's just a belief you're, of mine. You're just a member of the public or feels... Yeah, man in the street, yeah. Man in the street. Right. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Right. Yes, can I come on? I'd like to challenge that statement, or those four statements made just now in regard to Keith Robertson. I'm not a member of his society, but have been investigating sources. And I ask us all in truth, particularly I ask Kit, who made those statements, where did we get such conceit? Simply to make four statements writing down a man, I would ask on what grounds? And we get a label slung up, scientist, which is just like any other label. What on earth does it mean? If it means anything in truth, it means proper investigation. And has the investigation been done by a man who made four such ridiculous and rude statements to a stranger? I would challenge him because I would say there are 3,000 known contacts. Known contacts. Now, if somebody here wishes to challenge that statement, first question I will ask is, name those 3,000 people. If you don't even know their name, let alone have read their stories, let alone have examined what right have you got to say they were false. Who did you want to reply to that, first of all? Anybody who cares to do it. Uh, if you like, yes. I'm perfectly prepared to be convinced at any time that these things are real. But I would prefer to see some evidence. I would not like to listen to any more hearsay reports. Now, many people who allege these things are real produce photographs. And these photographs, surprise, surprise, are put out to American United States Air Force to see whether the photograph has been faked. Well, of course it hasn't been faked, because if you throw a saucepan lid in the air and take a photograph of it, it's a perfectly genuine photograph of a flying saucepan lid. But this is a, this is a chest dart, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, at this point, uh, I can see it's going to be one of those programs where we're going to run out of time before we even start. But we have got, as always on Speakeasy, a group with four pieces of music, and the group is Steeler's Wheel, and here they are with the first piece. I 
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, first of all, Keith Palmer is the director of the International Unidentified Flying Objects Research Association. Uh, Keith Ufo. I'll call you Keith Ufo because we've got two Keiths here with us today. Uh, Keith Ufo, what evidence have you got that such things are about? Evidence. No evidence at all, unfortunately. No evidence? None whatsoever. What have you got then uh, as hearsay? The most distinctive piece of hearsay that you sent to the Ministry? We, we sent our reports to the Ministry of Defence and they investigate them as much as they can. Now, you have you actually seen one then? I've seen several. Right, tell us what you saw, because then, then it's first-hand. I've just seen high-flying objects. I did see a low object in London in 1966. That was um, extremely low. I've been told it was a mirage at 2 o'clock in the morning. Did anybody else see it? Several other witnesses, yes. I see. Uh, Dr. Kitt... Would you say that all the sightings that there are of objects in the sky, would you say that there is some form of mirage-type uh, reason for them, you know? Uh, would you think that anything would physically happen? Because some, of, some people of great credibility, like airline pilots and policemen and stuff like that... I'd, I'd like to comment on that. There's no doubt whatever but very hard-headed people who were the last to want to make trips of themselves have in fact seen something. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned airline pilots, certainly, and some of the more interesting observations, I think, are where there have been quite rarely simultaneous visual and radar sightings or observations or reflections. I have no doubt whatever that sincere and good people of good observational capability have seen something, but I'm totally and completely unwilling to believe in the type of explanation offered by some of our panel here tonight. I'd much rather start from normal ideas. If then I'm forced to abandon those, I'm perfectly happy to believe in anything the evidence shows up. I'm not trying to sort of sit here as a sort of negative guru and chuck it all away. I'm not at all. I'm simply saying that the human race is famous for going by what it honestly thinks it's observed, not by some romantic ideology it wants to hang on to it. Right. Uh, gentlemen in the second row, they can say. Um, I hope you could ask the gentleman sitting on your left and the man on your far right there. They were talking about uh, objects, now we've seen objects and all the rest of it. Do you honestly and truthfully believe that there's such things as what will be men going to Mars and all this day. Do you want us to believe? Yeah. Do you want us to believe? Right, you're the question. Not little green men, no. This is, a, this is one of the uh, myths that have grown up uh, from people who are sceptical. Uh, 
No, not at all. The uh, evidence for um, flying saucers uh, are, is overwhelming and you can uh, go back for years. I said 25 years, you can go back thousands of years and find uh, well-authenticated reports of craft visiting this earth right the way into antiquity. Uh, especially since the end of the war, of course, uh, as our friends have already said, airline pilots, policemen in Staffordshire a few weeks ago. goes on and on and on. The, uh, the evidence is building up more and more as the weeks go by. Rex, Rex Dutter, in your book about flying saucers, uh, give us a, a pricey of what you feel about them. Well, basically the saucers exist and the landings and there is evidence. And it, particularly on this point of evidence, if I would like to take up the issue, the statement was made that, he, that people have not seen any evidence. Why not? Have you looked? Here was my question. There are 3,000 people who say they have had contact. If you have not examined that evidence, you don't even know their names, let alone have met the people or read their stories, how in the name of truth can you say there is no evidence? Have you that, seen any? Yes, I have. So this is the trouble. And as for photographs, of course you can throw up a Ford hubcap and photograph it. Does that mean there are no real photographs? Uh, would you like to know about one done by a government, Norwegian government? I describe it in the book. They were going to photograph an eclipse of the sun. They sent up two aircraft, 50 scientists aboard, hand-picked equipment. They did their eclipse of the sun. They were descending. They were 10,000 feet. And suddenly, all separately, two aircraft, 50 scientists, all saw these two sources, metallic, silver, maneuvering. The chief cameraman hurriedly unpacks his equipment and manages to get a 10-second color film of these two sources, metallic, maneuvering, in 10,000 feet up. Now, honestly, Jimmy, can you imagine the chief cameraman on the spur of the moment at 10,000 feet faking such a film? Now, that film is here. We've shown it frame by frame. There are a very large number of frames in 10 seconds of color film. And have people examined that before they said they're all fake? Right. If one man's eyes can convict a man for murder, how many thousands of pairs of eyes does it take? for people to begin to take this subject seriously. Oh, well, we are taking it seriously. Yes, I'm, you are, yes indeed, but the government don't seem to take it as seriously as it seems to warrant. Uh, we have a fantastic yeah. number of uh, sightings. Why is there not an open organization where we have to sort of go behind, behind the backs of the, of the sort of defense ministry? Why don't they come out and say what they really believe? Yeah, but the defense ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They must have far more evidence than
just be left over space on an Apollo mission or something, all that stuff they leave out there. Um, the lady down the front said that um, she saw something glowing up in the sky. Well, surely it could be a, a part of an Apollo spacecraft and the moon shining on it, and the same, you know, in the daytime, the sun shining on it. It, it could be. Uh, a quick one from Mr. Lambender. Not, not, not a craft that's estimated at travelling at 4,000 miles an hour stops dead in its tracks, immediately uh, makes a 90 degree turn and goes off at 4,000 miles an hour in the other direction. Nothing on this earth could possibly duplicate that. Right. Time for our next piece of music from Steve's Wheel.
Doubtless, once we start talking about unidentified flying objects, uh, there'll be all sorts of people saying all sorts of things which could possibly bring the whole question into disrepute uh, and people are asked to believe all sorts of things. We've, I'm going to quote here from the Banbury UFOs and they say that police searched an area after a telephone call saying children on this state had been terrified by the objects being eight feet tall, hot white in colour, with furry skin and large eyes one foot apart, horns, horns and a pointed beard. Now then, Keith Newfell, this came from one of your... That's from Wantage, actually. It's about 40-odd miles from Bamber. Now, are you claiming, because you put this out in print, are you claiming that this came from outer space? Not at all, actually. Um, our association, the International UFO Research Association, did investigate this particular report. And, uh, wait for it, they turned out to be goats. Goats. <laughs> well, no, no, fast five, because, you see, you must understand, ladies and gentlemen, at home, because when you're dealing with a thing like this, laughter is a natural emotion. And I should think if you were seeing anything with a, a horns and a pointed beard, you might shriek or say, oh, no. How about this goat? That goat was actually eating a uh, fortress from a tree. Oh, I see. Standing up. Oh, it's standing up? On its hind legs. I see. At night time. The mind boggles. Uh, this is what we're here to, you know, research into it. We're here to research into it, right. Another one here, uh, from your, your people. An 18-year-old girl claims to have seen a large hairy object entering some woods near... <laughs> An 18-year-old girl comes to see a large hairy object entering some woods near the old vintage canal. Did you find out what that was? That also was one of the goats. That was a goat. So. <laughs> I see. So that one is explained away. You can rip that one up now, Jimmy. I can rip this one off. Yep. Right. They're both explained away. Because I must say, this afternoon, it got us off it a little bit. When I was going to have to read about heavy objects entering woods and things like that and asking people at home to believe that they came from outer space, but if you examined them and found, uh, that's what we're here for, actually. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, that they laughed at Marconi when he said he could send words around the world. They laughed at him at the time, but it turned out to be right. So we have an entirely open mind on this, and there's gentlemen up there. Um, I have an open mind on this too, but I, I wondered whether the panel consider that these beings from another world are hostile to us or whether they're favourable to us, because that affects how seriously I take them and how I, how I regard them. Are they hostile in, intentions or not? Well, considering the time they've been seen, uh, if they were hostile, they would have done something about it a long time ago, I think you'll find. Uh, the mere fact that <coughs> they've been seen, uh, uh, vehicles of apparent peace, and indeed their practices have proved that they are entirely peaceful. There's been no aggression from them, uh, reported aggression from some parts of the world which have been proved as hoaxes afterwards. Well, can I come in here for a moment? Because 
Let's start from one very good statement on the possibility of life elsewhere. It was made by Fred Hoyle. He said, if you just consider the law of chance alone, don't mention anything else. Somewhere in a planetary system on another star, there's a cricket team to beat Australia. So I think life elsewhere in the universe is very probable. But quite frankly, this sort of report is uh, you know, sort of cross between Doctor Who and I might say goats. Yes, yes. Uh, before I go on to our friend in the audience there, the Christians think of extraterrestrial beings as angels, but science fiction depicts them all as threatening people. Is that purely from a commercial point of view? No, because this, this is again a sort of curious human conceit. We, we, we have to interpret the possibility of other forms of intelligence as if they possessed our own. This, if we ever came face to face to some other form of life, such is our conceit and our besetting sort of obsession with us, we might well fail to look at it all, fail to see it altogether. Yes, of course, with the Apollo missions, for instance, their uh, appreciation of life, uh, L-I-F-E, is something biological which can actually change, multiply, and or whatever from an anobic point of view, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Uh, life in the newspapers, as we read it, might be with two arms and two legs and things yes. in our mind. Yes. There's a, a, a great difference. Yes, there's somebody up there. Personally, I don't believe in plants or just really play plants or anything like that. But of course, I, 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 I can't believe that. Uh, for instance, the Americans and the Russians have uh, 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 been up there thousands of miles up and uh, they found no signs of life up there. Uh, and the person to say that if you believe in the uh, plant sources, if you believe in the monster up in, uh, in Loch Ness. Yeah. Jimmy, I'm afraid that gentleman is totally misinformed. The Americans and the Russians had seen very great evidence and had photographed them. Nearly all the Apollo flights and before that the Germany have done. And Major David, who is in charge of Germany, let it slip at a big dinner, National Space Association dinner, and got wrapped over the knuckles afterwards. But, Kami, uh, do you see, Jimmy, what's happened to your audience? When 1950 sources first came. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Into the news, 1947. Gallup did a poll. Only 30% believed in them. Tonight, when you asked for a vote before we started, nearly 60% did. And they've done this because of the evidence of their sightings coming through in of the official blanket, because there is, as the gentleman there said, a clearly an official blanket. When you get pilots and trained people saying it and approving it and giving their reports, including Major David, and then being told as he was, it was merely ice crystals. Why do they? Why do you think they put an official blanket? Well, not. This is the most interesting thing, and much dealt with, and in my book I deal with it fully. It. 
the gentleman there who said, were they hostile, because on that would depend his attitude. This is our viewpoint from planet Earth. Why can't we look at it the other way? Sources might be quite neutral. They clearly are not hostile because, as has been said, if they had been, they would have done something millions of years ago because they've been here ages. But why do we fear them? They might, in fact, be here to help, if you like, angelic hosts of the, of the Christian kingdom. They might be quite new to things. We need to investigate this. And one of the investigations is why don't you read the stories of the context? Right, gentlemen. Um, I'm, I'm all for UFOs, but going back to these flying goats or whatever they were saying up in their hind legs, <laughs> if people, if child, if a child can exaggerate about a goat, surely 50 scientists in a plane or something, seeing something that looks out of this world, surely they can exaggerate as well. They filmed it. The film in colour exists there, not the goat. Oh, no, of the U and that was the Norwegian government. And that is one of the governments which has openly admitted the reality of sources. There are six others. Did you know that? Seven governments have admitted the reality of sources. Which, Why? which are the governments? They're, they're mostly South America. They're Venezuela, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Philippines, and Norway. In that order, chronological order. But it still is seven governments. Why is that not known? Why, why, why do you think that they keep an official blanket on it? I'm not asking you. The question is, here are seven governments who've admitted the reality publicly, Norway being one. Why didn't we know in England? Right. Over there. Uh, just let's say, um, the gent over there said, why hasn't uh, our astronauts seen evidence of law. Well, but they have. They photographed He just asked that question. We've only just taken our steps into space. Why can't they come from beyond that? Right. And also, going back to the goats, nobody ever disproved the case of the Flatwoods monster in America. There was a great deal of evidence for that. Right, right, thank you very much indeed. Come down here, Mr. Irving, Mike, because I was talking to an American young lady, I can't see where she is just now, but she was saying that uh, when she was in the States, there was a great number of sightings, and when they went to examine the next morning, this is the USAF base, the next morning, and there was a large patch burnt in the middle of yes. the wood. And in flat wood, there were six in the districts all around, scattered over an area, not one, six. Uh, I'd just like to back Mr. Dutter up on this question of censorship on flying saucers. I'm a journalist, and uh, I have, in fact, had experience of a flying saucer story being censored out of the national press in this country. Yes, thank you, sir. And we all could give many examples. Would you like to know about, about Mexico City? What, what, yeah, yeah. A demonstration. Let me first of all ask my journalistic friend down there, why do you think editors would edit that out of a paper? Well, I think uh, partly because uh, they're scared of being laughed at as far as Fleet Street is concerned. Uh, that's probably the, the most common reason. But secondly, I do believe, and I certainly know that some of my journalistic friends believe this as well, that there has been at some stage an instruction not to publish 
trying to sort the material. Yes, the denotes. The denotes is system, exactly. Right. Uh, go to the hand of that, Mr. Evanock. First of all... Yes, this Mexico uh, City. Often the uninformed, because, excuse me saying this, the uninformed, those who say, oh, I've got an open mind, but I never look at the evidence, I'm not going to make any effort. The uninformed say that never sources have never appeared over a major city. Over Mexico City, they have a national holiday September the 15th. Sources appeared in groups, not singly. All the Mexicans saw them, the traffic stopped, they were boulevard, in the boulevards, the traffic jams. All right, the whole of Mexico City was tight because it was a fiesta day. But sources returned for 21 consecutive days. 21! And the boulevards were jammed with traffic, the stores were selling binoculars, there were films, photographs galore. None of this was reported here. Why not? Right, right. Okay. Well, just now everyone was laughing when they said oh, about the goats. But why should we be so vain as to assume that all intelligent life should have our form? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm quite, quite prepared to believe that intelligent life elsewhere is much more intelligent. It's much, much more differently intelligent. But one thing I would like to say about this growing acceptance of the idea from Mr. Dutter, I believe this, a very important aspect of why a large number of people believe in flying sources. It is because this generation in 1971 is absolutely out of credible myths. We have long since, most of us ceased to believe in God, Jesus, resurrection, or the afterlife, so that we have now find ourselves needing a bit. So if somebody comes along and says there are people out there in flying ships, we are much more likely now than ever before to hang on to it rather desperately. So you're yes, saying it's like a good substitute? There's then. nothing Savior myth yeah, about a color film. Hang on, over the radar. Yeah. Oh, plenty of them. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Oh, oh, I oh, shall I make the look of it? Okay, we've got several of these sources flogging around upstairs. Um, have any of these sources ever tried to make contact at all through Jogger Bank or somewhere like this? Well, we have got a piece of tape that the, the well, what do you call your, your Dr. King? Is he the boss of the government? He, he is the, the man in charge of the society. The man in charge of the Ethereum Society. Now then, we're just going to play a piece of tape for it in a second. Let me explain first what it is. Dr. King, for the Ethereum Society, goes into a trance and he says that during this trance, he has sent messages from people of outer space. And in this particular piece of tape we have of Dr. King in the trance, uh, he is using his own voice, as you can well imagine, but it's his voice first. Then when his voice changes, this is then the message that he's getting from the captain of a Martian spaceship about to land on Earth. And we'll play the tape right now. Sector 8. Mars, general information. We are now starting a communication with a large vessel just coming in to land. Calling then Nixies zero 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 
sector 16. Nixie 000, sector 16. Magnetic beam has now taken control. You are 100 net feet from the surface of the planet itself. You will come to rest within one a quarter of a zook of the predetermined position. Does that satisfy you? Oh dear, it certainly does. Absolutely astounding. Right, now that was a chance. What would they... Thank you. Yes. That was a piece of tape. Now then, here is Keith from the Ethereum Society about that. Well, first of all, I'd like to explain that a somatic trance is something that the yogis of India have been practicing for thousands of years. It's a system whereby the the yogi's conscious mind is completely inhibited so that the higher aspect of mind can be taken over by an outside force, in this case uh, a space intelligence. Onto that yogi is placed a, what we call a magnetic beam and down that beam is sent thought impulses. The mere fact that Dr. King is an Englishman means that the thought impulses will be translated into English. If he was a German, the, the language would be in German. It's Dr. King's voice, but the thought, original thought impulses are from an extraterrestrial life force. And you and your followers, you and your members, should I say, forgive me for using the word followers, you and your members are quite convinced that that was as we say, a kosher thing. Absolutely. Over, over a number of years of studying these things, uh, a few years ago the, these um, intelligences gave forecasts of flying saucer sightings that were due and blow me down a few days later they were there in the press, uh, spot on time and in the locations that they were given. Right, next piece of music from Steelers wheel.
that he cannot appreciate the fact that others can be more advanced than he is. And I think this is the reason for a lot of, excuse me for saying so, um, Dr. Pedler's um, remarks. He cannot, he seems to not be able to give credit that there should be more advanced people who can communicate in this particular way and who indeed do communicate in this way. You mean more advanced people on Earth, like... No, more advanced people in this solar system. Right. Could I come back and answer that lady? Because I think she's done me a bit of an injustice, so I may say so. What I meant to say was this. I'm perfectly prepared to accept that there may be aspects of intelligence elsewhere in the universe that make us look like children. I rather hope that it's true. But as yet, I cannot see any evidence of it. I'm not being arrogant and saying we're the greatest species ever. I'm simply saying that we are, in fact, still relatively destructive children. And of course, there may be other intelligences much more, much more advanced, much more lucid, much more creative than ours. I'm simply saying I want evidence, please. Well, over there, I believe myself that we've been watched for some time and we're still being watched. Why do, you, can, why do you think that? Well, while we can do well, we can do them no harm. We're okay. As soon as we can do these other planets from from harm, then we'll be fed it. I think. Right. You're, you're saying as soon as they find us hostile, they're going to attack us. Yeah. Oh, 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 no, I must challenge some of these statements, really, Jimmy. Uh, oh, challenge that one, then. Yes, I will. Uh, Look, why could, do we have to have these concepts like that? That young man over there who just said he felt there'd be no life in other planets because of all those things, they would be in different conditions. Their attitude to us would be different. The young lady in the front said, we have got to change and got to grow. Surely we have got to do this. Now, why do we assume that the sources are going to attack us or anything like that? I, I honestly don't see the logic of this. And technically, this is there as a jump in logic. It is mere emotionalism, as is the statement that everything is merely a savior myth. Right. That's merely another form of emotionalism. Okay, thank you. Well, um, the doctor asked that he wants evidence about uh, superior people. Um, could it be that uh, Jesus Christ was a Martian? Dr. Kitt, Dr. Kitt, that's what Ron said. Well, I, I, I hold the view that uh, there is very little evidence that Jesus Christ ever existed at all. Right, right. Kitt Robertson, what do you think of that? Well, I'd, I'd like to um, <laughs> reply to that by saying that uh, it is our belief that Jesus Christ, or the Christ, was in fact a Venusian. He says so in Revelations himself. I am of the house and root of David, meaning I come through the family of David and of the bright and morning star. Right. Come oh, on, no, hold on. It's only the Mariner spaceship that then explored Venus reported that the surface is seated in utter darkness beneath a poisonous atmosphere at a temperature hot enough to melt metal. Well, I'd like to come back with that right. by saying that a few years ago the Russians and the Americans 
uh, made a spectrographic analysis of the atmosphere of this Earth, and they found that there was no oxygen on Earth. In other words, you and I don't exist. We're each, we're uh, figments of each other's imagination. And that actually happened. No oxygen on Earth according to scientific data. Right. Now, if they can make a mistake about a, this planet, uh, well, the mind boggles at the mistake they can make right. over viewing Mars or Venus. Over there. Does Mr. Robinson only consider there's life in our own uh, solar system? Do you? No, uh, life is teeming throughout the galaxy, throughout the universe. Right, there's some more hands up there that have been put down, I think, because we had that, two That mariner one just now, which landed by parachute in that 4,000 degrees centigrade, why didn't the parachute mm -hmm. burn up? And which was the radio transmitter used by the Russians, which lasted for an hour and a half in 4,000 degrees centigrade? In other words, yes, we've got to be very open in our minds about what the conditions are. That. Just a quick one there. Sorry, Dr. Kitt was accused of emotionalism, and people who looked at flying saucers and as being hostile were accused of emotionalism. But, you know, to look at them as being... Um, uh, positive, having positively good thing, uh, values for us as well as equally emotional and the sort of tape recording that was put across could not be accepted as evidence of anything except that, that this man's thought processes, yeah. Dr. King's thought processes, right, but it's not scientific that. evidence. Try the other 3,000 contacts, right. do some study. Last piece of music now from Steeler's Wheel.
give you the name of the group again because it's a fairly new name. It's called Steelers, as in Thief, Steelers Wheel, and it's these things on first, which is that last point I heard about that. Mr. Rogan, Mike, come down to this young lady on the front with the with the model resting in her lap there. Now, then, would you like to explain to me just what that model is in your lap? This is a model of um, a flying saucer, a start craft, actually, we call it. Um, they are mostly remote-controlled, about 35 feet in diameter, um, usually equipped with all kinds of, of uh, scientific apparatus, and they are sent to monitor conditions on the planet, on well, this planet. The big question is, how do you know? Um, this has been taken from um, a photograph that a man called George Adamski took and it was scaled down and the model was made from the scale of this photograph. It's a very famous photograph, this, I'm sure. Um, yes, right, right. Now then, I'll tell you what I want to do now. I want to ask Keith Robertson, what about, you see, ladies and gentlemen of the radio, we record this program on Friday nights and this is now the 10th of December, correct me if I'm wrong. Right. The 10th, isn't it, as we record it, it goes out on Sunday, which will be the 12th. Now then, uh, please tell me about the spaceship from Mars, which your people believe is now in Earth orbit. <coughs> well, this is a craft, uh, something quite enormous in proportion, about three times the size of, a, of an aircraft carrier. Uh, it orbits at 1,550 miles up. It is... Uh, totally invisible uh, insofar as it's able to absorb radar particles in, in which case they don't get returned to the scopes um, they, it is there for one reason only and that is to pick out uh, every man, woman and child that is giving service to others on this earth and during these times it's here it beams that individual with uh, certain energies in order to make their work on this earth that much more potent. When I say people giving service I mean nurses, doctors, people who are praying for world peace and enlightenment, anybody that's doing something good for the community as a whole. So therefore can we expect to see at some time or other if you say it's a 3,000 times potency, can we expect to see in the very near future a great moving towards greater peace in the world? We believe so, that out of it all, the terrible turmoil we have at the moment will come what we can call the golden millennium or the Aquarian age. Uh, have you got any idea This is entirely up to the actions of mankind on this earth. It may may take a thousand years, it may take two thousand years. We've got a long time to wait. Can I please come back briefly? Yes, yes, yes. I think the first thing we have to do before putting all the responsibility for our improvement on an invisible flying ship is to recognize that we are the people who are responsible for this. And if we try to abrogate our responsibility like this, and hope that we're going to receive external help without internal effort. I think the assurance of you, you are quite right, right sir. Right. It means the effort on the part of people on this earth in order to make this 
whole scheme worked. Right, right, right. Yes. And if I must have If we've established that some unidentified flying objects and their occupants are not hostile, then what are we going to gain by, by establishing their existence if they do exist? Well, it'd be nice to see them, wouldn't it? You know, first try, it'd be nice to see them. Do you yeah, but before that point goes away, I, I do, I'm glad that we're all agreed on this, that at any rate, humanity must solve its own problems by itself. There'll be help perhaps from outside, but to abrogate and say that the others are going to do the job for us, I think would be a great mistake, and one which clearly the source of context, which come in many voices, not just chants and so forth, right. say, you've got to do the job yourself. Right, thank you. Right. Go on, carry on. I've given the microphone to somebody. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to add something about what we said earlier about Jesus Christ. And being a Christian, I, I'm quite prepared to believe in flying swords. There's nothing in the Bible against them. And yet I, I won't agree with just taking one verse out of the Bible and saying that Jesus Christ was a part of our solar system. I, I think if you read the Bible properly, then you see that Jesus Christ and God are outside our system, outside time. Right, uh, hand onto the, hand onto the, hand down there, I was going to say. I'd like to ask uh, too much, friend. Just supposing um, a few flying swords have carved over London within this month, would there be any sort of procedure for this? Any procedure for it? For, 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 for dealing with one of the kids? I haven't the slightest idea. Yes, Hang on, the friend is down here. Give the microphone back to that gentleman behind you. Yeah. Kit, answer the question there. I said, the friend is down there. If you could deal with it, if it can. Yes, sir. Going back to Mariner and uh, saying that the atmosphere out there is poisonous uh, to humans, how, how do we know that this isn't the ideal conditions for other forms of life? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, get your hand up there, Mr. Rovner, because we're running out. We've got about 30 seconds left. So, uh, go for that one just there. You hand it there, Mr. Mack. I, I can remember one glorious occasion about five years ago when the national press uh, really had a beautiful picture of a flying saucer on all the inside pages and it turned out that um, two RAF sergeants had done a beautiful spoof. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. What about the others which were genuine? Right. One that... Well, as I was well at a time. We've run right out of time. Terribly sorry, dear friend. We haven't had time. Next week, Speakeasy comes from Cardiff, where we're going to talk about the Welsh language, Yachida, to one and all. Thank you all for coming down. We've got to thank Dr. Kit Pedler, we've got to thank Rex Dutto, we've got to thank Keith Palmer and Keith Robertson. Thank you all, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. See you next week. Hey,